0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. A solo episode here on this Friday. You guys probably will not be hearing this until Saturday on the 23rd. But I am here today to have that bye preview, kind of that bystanding kind of episode here in this early buy for the dogs. What's going on, everybody? I'm Nick Malone. Here to bring this to you today, and since Noah Lurch couldn't make it today, he would have the usual kinds of stuff on his end that we usually have, but I'll do my best to just you know mention some things uh, that would be more in his wheelhouse and in, in terms of the commits. Um, I'll mention some stuff with them for sure. We talked about how we were going to get in touch with them, and that we did, um, and we got replies from most of them, and don't have all the information just yet. But we will at some point. I'll mention that again here in a second. But we'll talk about a lot of things. Uh, we'll start off with the, with stuff with the recruits. We'll get through around the valley stuff. We had some more rankings. You know, at, we know all. You know the FCS stats. You know Craig Haley, Gary Reasons, definitely Gary Reasons. He was on campus this week uh, to give out the awards, and he's been traveling around the country a lot. I'll dive into some things with that. Um, and then, obviously, the the week four games that are coming up that we won't be a part of. Um, some obvious, you know, it, we mentioned how every three games last year we kind of had a overview at that point of you know stats and just how the team's doing. And this is a perfect opportunity to do that to start off with. Obviously, mentioning just a lot of you know kind of what our pros and cons are, and kind of just you know, obviously, like I said, going over some of the stats. I'll try to have my own offensive and defensive dogs of the season so far and kind of had some, you know, some things like conference breakout candidates, bold predictions and stuff for the uh, for this final stretch of the season. It'll be a long one ahead, and then I'll sneak peek what we'll be having next week. So let's talk about first what's going on with the commits. I wanted to kick off first with something that happened four hours ago today. We haven't been seeing a whole lot of them during the season here, but we did get a recent offer Ryan Nolan, a JUCO product, a 5'10", 185-pound defensive back out of uh, Hutchinson Community College, which are apparently back in 20, 2020 and 2021 national champions, and JUCO national champions. Um, and then there were other champions, I think, the next year after that. So I guess back-to-back champions that Hutchinson Community College, the Blue Dragons, are. Um, so Ryan, he tagged uh, Gary McGraw. In his, you know, we love those JUCO products. We see it in both sports a lot. Um, we know that we have a couple on our team currently. So it's, you know, obviously produced tremendous talent. And we haven't seen a whole lot of them otherwise for us, like I said, and offers overall through this first stretch of the season. But here we are and do have one. So one of the off with that, um, you know, it, it, it takes success. And obviously if we keep having success not only for high school guys, but other college guys. We know it just it it's crazy because you know even the portal some guys that enter the portal really late have to sit out the year and I'll get to some other guys who unfortunately have to sit out this year but other guys enter the portal and then they're already I just remember it, you know granted it was at the end of last year whenever we got Vincent Davis and we got all these other guys but. Um, it happens so fast after the season, but I feel like it can happen during the season. So we'll see what's the case with guys like Ryan, but Ryan Nolan, JUCO product. We offered. I did follow him. He has not followed us back, but it's the most recent one. Wanted to kick off with that. Um, and I mentioned the commits, and all, like I said, all of them reached back out to us and told us told us that they that they will provide stats for us. The only one that responded with anything. Was quarterback prospect E.T. Harris? Um, he asked us if he would like to, you know, hit the first few games this season. And Noah has provided everything he can for us so far on all these guys. And we've had, you know, for for most of them, <clears throat> you know, excuse me, all of the stats that we need. But we just want a little bit more. And if they're willing to give us that more, and E.T. was able to give us his exact stats through his first five weeks. And you know, obviously, all these guys are playing tonight, so we will. We will surely be in touch with them tomorrow. They will DM us, hopefully. Uh, and then definitely by next week, we will have all this info for you guys as usual. Like I said, Noah would have some stuff today, but um, he doesn't have anything for us right now. He didn't have anything for me. Um, so I'll just mention how, obviously, they're playing tonight, and we'll hear more about them. But... Um, E.T. Harris, like I said, did give us our week one through five stats, and they're pretty impressive. And we kind of already knew that, but the biggest thing is they're all winners, and he's played well. The only game he had below 100 passing yards was this past week, week five, but they won 28-3. to He also had 30 rushing touchdowns and threw for a touchdown with those 90 yards, but he had a Week two, he we had 178 passing yards, two touchdowns, 10 rushing yards with one rushing touchdown. Only played the first quarter because he beat his team by 31 points. So a lot of those. And, you know, he's doing all he can in some of these games are blowouts. He had a couple like week three, only won by one point 112 112 passing yards, two touchdowns, 45 rushing yards. They won in overtime that week. Then 176 in week four. So another four touchdowns passing, 14 rushing with one touchdown in the 36-point win. He said he only played the first half. So, again, a lot of these guys are going to be dominating their games, dominating first halves. It's kind of hard to not dominate, especially if you're at the level that these guys are and just anywhere we know uh, locally here, the Marions and Carbondos of the World. Marion, which is a powerhouse around here, our hometown, they're currently losing, I think, as we speak. And they were undefeated so far, but they don't have anybody going to SIU this year or Yet, I guess they do have uh, their running backs, Last and Beverly. We do like him, um, <clears throat> but really nobody else. But you, surely there's players there that are dominating as well, but not like these guys and all of them are and ET's doing that. So Ethan, we appreciate you, man, sending us these and hopefully all you guys do listen to and I mentioned all the other guys by name. We were able to get in touch with Nate Tronzo, Blaine Sisson, Jack Lindsay, Ben Feigel, Aiden uh, Moriarty. Sorry if I botched that, Aiden. But and then Tyrese Reed, which I wanted to talk about him next because he followed us back finally and um, messaged us and said that he will give us the stats too. Just wanted to mention he got invited by Can- invited by Kansas State to go to their October 28th game against Houston, which is a massive deal. We know Tyrese is. An incredible prospect for us and one we think could play as a true freshman right away. We're shocked that we get him, to be honest. We have gotten him to this point. He seems bought in. But, heck, I'd go to the Kansas State game, too. I mean, if if we lose him to Kansas State, so be it. I mean, that's just you got to understand those kind of things and know how good he is. Hopefully not, though, but it's a great atmosphere. We were there two years ago. If he goes to enjoy himself there, who knows? I did want to mention that Noah brought that to my attention the other day, but he let us know that he will let us know from now on his stats. And then Quentin Boak, and then, of course, Lucas McDaniels, and Jake curry so most of the guys for sure told us they'd get back to us which we appreciate it very much like i said next week we'll definitely have it if you guys let us know and it's okay if you guys forget or don't want to most of these guys said they will maybe they will tomorrow and we'll have them by next week so shout out to all of our guys uh, responding and being willing to send us all the stats because we said, hey, you fans want to hear you guys. They want to hear what you're doing because they don't want to be blindsided by certain guys that come about in the program. I feel like we do a good job of you know sneak peeking players that even that they see now. We've been you know doing this podcast for two years. This will be the third season now, and we always talk about the commits. So obviously, the 2022 class was the first class in that 2021 high school season that we started doing it and you know about the lewis wilberts and um other guys like that you know all the true all the juniors and all the redshirt freshmen and true freshmen this year so we love doing it hopefully everyone loves listening to it so there are those and obviously everybody had their good luck tweets today all the aforementioned guys. Uh but guys we haven't landed yet that are still recruits and that is Connor Sullivan, a linebacker athlete, six one, two seventeen. We've talked about him a couple times. Three sport athlete in Kyle in high school. He is a captain. Uh he's at Casey Westfield in Casey, Illinois. So you know, Illinois guy. I like to see those and we know we'll be thin at linebacker before we know it. So I like to add a lot of guys. Um and then Parker Getter is a guy we we'll always like to keep our eyes out for, six six two ninety five offensive lineman. He's got 5D1 offers from Glenwood, Iowa. Um, he's a big follower of ours, so we'd we'll like to get more offensive linemen. Quentin, Boak, and stuff, follow him. So haven't got him yet, only a matter of time, hopefully. Um, and then I think, you know, we we've had some others, if I recall. Um there's some other guys. I I think like Zach Evans is a guy we haven't landed yet that's been posting sometimes about it. So um good luck to all the guys that are currently playing right now. Like I said, everybody will be hearing this tomorrow. So well at some point we'll know how these guys did. So there's everything with then I did locus and did notice actually Lucas McDaniels because we've been kind of unsure on him, but he did change his profile picture to him in our jersey or in his jersey, and his uh, commitment and stuff. So that's a great sign. Um, so I wanted to mention that on top of it as well. Um, quickly, we know, well, actually, just thinking of former Salukas, we've talked a lot about Zach Zabrowski and him in Central Missouri. I think they're now ranked in their D2 top 25. He's been putting up outrageous numbers. It's funny because we recalled that Paxton DeLorant was at Central Missouri too, and we're really impressed with him. So just in general, they produce good quarterbacks, and Zach's doing a good job. And then quickly, NFL Salukis at play this Sunday. Team-wise, Jeremy is at the Seahawks. Him and the Panthers are at Seattle Seahawks. Ryan Neal and the Buccaneers host the Eagles. And then Michael Pruitt and the Falcons are at the, the Detroit Lions. Hopefully Michael can get in the game, but we know Jeremy and Ryan will be all over the place. So we'll come to you guys with those. Obviously, if we come to you guys on Friday, it'll be a recap of Missouri State. It's the next time or no sorry after this week we'll we'll have it next week i don't know what i'm talking about but we'll have those for you um now let's let's get around the valley real fast um which is something interesting is we know chicago state is a you know an okay basketball program we played them last year we smoked them and we play them again this year they got a couple good really really good five stars coming in and uh, just a couple of days ago, or I guess yesterday, that Chicago State announced, you know, their board of trustees has approved a proposal to stage a public fundraising campaign and potentially add a Division One football program as soon as fall 2025. Interesting, because like I said, that they, they don't have the. Imagine if Chicago State was, they'll be at a really low level if this comes to fruition, but they can keep Chicago kids and then build themselves up and make a jump, that's in the long-distance future. But it's cool to see just because, like I said, we're, we're familiar with their basketball and the fact that they're trying to get a football, it's good for them because, like I guess, if you keep the Chicago kids, you'll end up being good at some point. So that was kind of a national thing that was getting brought about that I wanted to mention just because we're familiar with them. Um, I mentioned um, FCS football, the stats, Gary Reasons was on campus, awarded Nick with his offensive national player of the week. Um, So he was there. He talked to PJ, talked to Coach Hill. They had a big old meeting in there as well uh, presented by FedEx Ground. Um, So that's really cool. I listen to their podcast every Wednesday and Gary was talking about how awesome it was. And he goes, like I said, he goes to so many different um, places. So yeah, just a lot of publicity and a lot of attention a lot of content that was getting provided by all of them so national awards on campus scare reasons and fcs football were on campus this week that uh, was really cool to see all of that um obviously we've seen some more rankings it's been interesting because fcs fans nation uh we really appreciate everything that they do and their content they've been talking about us a lot lately and uh you know they even had some separate stats. They had something about you know the teams that are still undefeated. Obviously, three of us Valley teams, and there's been other teams around that are still undefeated. But um, they also had this week's installment of if the playoffs started today, guess who'd be the one seed? And this is based off Massey's strength of schedule games played only Southern Illinois as the one seed, three and The strength of schedule is twenty fourth. On this top eight seed wise, it would we're only behind Weber State who's got eighth and Idaho which has seventeenth, twenty fourth and as the one seed. So it's just crazy knowing how well we have done to this point that we can even be in this in these conversations from when nobody was even thinking about us to start the season, and we're proving everybody wrong to this point. But knowing that we would be a top seed where it stands now based off strength of schedule, based off everything, I and mean, that's what we said on the last episode. I mean, who has a better um, resume than us right now besides, like I said, Idaho would have beat California. It's a no-brainer. Sacramento State did beat Stanford. At Stanford would be really hard for us to beat, so it's and they're the number two Sacramento State, so it definitely makes sense, and they're right behind us also in strength of schedule. They're at 35, so pretty neck and neck with them in a lot of regards, but we would be matching up with Incarnate Word, so we get our rematch. They'd become an our place. That's all just if this was its own kind of thing. We know a whole... Um, you know, first round plays up to something with, obviously, with the postseason and everything. So that's just really interesting. Uh, Fox College Football had their posts about FCS wins versus FBS teams and which one was most impressive. And it had us on there. So all, any of the, pl- all the publicity, the better. Clearly, uh, Nick Baker was FCS Fans Nation Radio's Offensive Player of the Week. Um, so, just a lot of content had been rolling in, of course. And I mentioned FCS Fans Nation had us at third or a ninth, excuse me, on their top twenty-five recently. So, I'll get to more stuff with stats here shortly. Uh, just thinking of all this with the rankings, I did have um, Brian McLaughlin did have his own. Uh, Racketology. We mentioned how obviously Noah's not here to give his own, but uh, Brian did have his kind of playoff picture where it stands now. Let me get it up here to load, Um, and he he did have us. Let's see here, um, mentioning here. He mentioned our win two impressive FCS wins over potential playoff teams. Austin P and Seymour. The top eight are pretty darn strong. That's obviously with us in here. I want to scroll to see if he's got like an actual – yeah, he's got us as the eighth seed in. So, of course, those are the seeds you want. Those are the buy seeds you want. That's what we'll be striving for the rest of the year, that we have these now expectations on us. eighth. So he has the almost seeds. And imagine – look at these teams. Holy Cross, Montana, and Idaho as the teams that are outside looking in for Brian. So – All really good ones. We mentioned Montana's kind of fluky in a way, but just, again, the publicity and the attention that we're getting is what we want. We want it for around the country by people who watch the games and observe the games. We want it for the recruits. We want it all. This was the kind of attention. We we had the attention last year, beat Northwestern, lost two in a row, won five in a row, and then lost four. It was just the ultimate roller coaster that this year we're hoping not to have. We need to get back to the playoffs and have that success that – came for this program, you know, years prior, so it's just necessary, so love it, big time, Brian McLaughlin, we'll keep up with his playoff picture stuff throughout the season, as we do for everything else, Um, quickly now, let me mention the games that are going on this week, obviously, we know the conference season is starting, um, and let's see here, there's a lot of teams, there's only, there's only, let's see here, I guess, the more I look at it, I don't think there's any week five is like the big ramp up for conference games. But if I'm looking at it for week four tomorrow, um, Valley teams aren't playing each other. They're still playing non-conference. That's Illinois state hosting Lindenwood, Missouri state hosting Utah tech and Western Illinois at Southern Utah. So that's interesting. Those are the Valley games. If I were to look at what else is going on on the whole FCS, what the notable games are, um, Let's see. We got Mercer at Furman, two two and one teams. Those are two teams. I think that's that's a conference matchup. That's a really great game at noon tomorrow. Colgate at Holy Cross, uh, Rhode Island, Villanova, um, Eastern Owen Always getting a lot of attention being two and one. They host McNeese. We'll see if they can end up getting a top twenty-five at some point. Who knows? And fight in that OVC. Um, Let's see here. Montana's at Northern Arizona. They should should win that one. SEMO is at Eastern Kentucky. We'll we'll be rooting for SEMO the rest of the way, as we know. Um, Nichols is at Tulane, so there's still some FCS, FBS games. Austin P. at Stephen F. Austin, the same thing. Because even Jamie Williams and FCS Fans Nation had his top Buck Buchanan and Walter Payton Award finalists. And he has, uh, uh, what's his name, Mike DeLillo, DeLillo, Austin Peace quarterback, who has put up numbers, but he was terrible against us, so it makes you think. Um, and there's some other games, but Eastern Washington at UC Davis, who again, Montana State at Weber State. So we mentioned Weber State's got the, what, eighth uh, toughest strength of schedule, and they get to host, what is it, number three, Montana State. So that's the most notable game this week around the whole FCS. And again, Valley teams aren't playing each other just yet because there's so many that have buys. Um, But we will, week five will be, next week will be the week of mentioning conference games. So looking forward to that. Uh, Obviously, we don't have a, haven't had a presser from Nick Hill this week, or I guess that's something I actually did not double check to get to the, we, or they, I'm trying to think, did we on Monday? Had to have. We haven't had one, I guess. We'll have one on this bank. We did. Um. Right? Sorry on the spot, I'm blanking on myself if we had highlights from this. Because I think no one I talked about, I guess I didn't have any notes on it, I suppose. But did have one. I guess there's nothing too notable to take from it. (laughs) Um, The next one will clearly have his next week's. Maybe they didn't because it's a buy. I'm sure they honestly just didn't have one. We'll see. But... um, Next week, we'll have a presser. I didn't really have anything else besides we mentioned how C.J. Parson at Northern Illinois had the headset, but clearly if players just aren't playing, they can. He just looked like a coach. Uh, but did see him in his number 15 practice jersey at practice this past week so on videos and stuff. So he's back, and he obviously a depth piece. We'll see where he fills in throughout it. Now let's get to some more of the buy things, just some things on the status of the current team before we get into the stuff of like the full nature of this podcast. Um, And it did come to our attention just the other day, and of course it's the case, you know, of course nobody knew anything for these guys, but Noah Finsky tweeted just either yesterday or the day before, posting about... Um, his waiver and said, "Was informed that my waiver is getting denied today. I am incredibly disappointed in the NCAA's decision. I will not stop fighting this. I love SIU; the best decision of my life was coming here. Go dogs!" He's getting a lot of support from his teammates, and everyone's saying how it's just ridiculous and shame on the NCAA. And kind of had a feeling this would happen if the guys weren't able to play three games in, they probably weren't going to. The NCAA was just showing no remorse. Um, We haven't talked much about the. the North Carolina player that is dealing with the same stuff and even in his own way, but obviously our guys as well, not getting the chance seeing, you know, Marcelo who was pumped at the game. James was great. All three of those guys have been great and those are the ones we need most, but obviously we're showing that we don't really need him as much, but obviously with the stretch of, you know, these so many games in a row and having your buys so early that we need all the depth we can get. So it looks like we're not going to see any of Noah James or Marcelo this year. Ultimate, unfortunately, I guess they're they're trying to button down on some of the transfer portal things, which I've always personally been in favor of doing so because you don't want guys transferring every year, clearly, and they would have to, you know, be strict on some things, but not to this extent. Just be, just because, like I said, you can't, you know, Noah's been here since the spring, and it just sucks for him. You know, James has been here late. Marcelo's been here a while too, so Noah and Marcelo they're, they're just getting screwed to the max and. We feel for Noah and his family. We saw his his family at the SEMO game. It's like they, of course, want to watch him play. So you just feel for him big time. And Noah, we're definitely behind you, man. He says he's going to keep fighting, him. we know you know he's yet to appeal. We know uh, Tez Walker was um, appealing, you know, for his case in North Carolina and getting denied. So I guess Noah hadn't really known anything up until this point. And, He's the only one that's going to tweet about it. James and Marcelo have not. So we just go mainly off of Noah's. But hopefully he can get some miracle the rest of the year. But it doesn't look like it. I know Bucky Dent quoted it and said that he's out for the Doesn't won't get any other. Um, I think I had it here. He said he won't get to play at SIU this year. Which I guess, you know, he said he'll still fight it. So I, I'm pretty sure he won't play, but that, I don't know if that's jumping the gun at all. I doubt we'll see him, but I wouldn't rule anything out, I suppose. The more the backlash, the better, which I guess and in, in, to some extent it's not better. So we'll see how that plays out. As just feel for all these guys. Um, all right, so let's get into a lot of, like I said, what this podcast was mainly about. was updating things up to this bye week and... Um the biggest thing I had on here and I forgot to mention on the recap for semo just realizing that we're all we're already only two wins away from matching our season total of last year and we're only three games in pretty remarkable we know I mentioned earlier the roller coaster we had we all know about it um, losing two winning five, losing four just just absolutely ridiculous and we you know, at some point, you know, I had a thing on here of if we have overall schedule prediction changes, you know, the rest of the way of like our record and stuff. And definitely think so. You know, I think what Noah and I both say seven and four, um, we're already four wins away from that. We mentioned how conference we have the five worst teams in the conference we play. And even some are more difficult than others, but even those ones that are a little bit more harder, like South Dakota, who's playing well, we get them at home. So it's a benefit, but you know, host Missouri State, that's our next game. Host South Dakota. This, these are out of order, I'm just mentioning off the top of my head. At Western, at Murray State, and host Indiana State last game of the year on senior night. So, I mean, you need to win five more games, and that already gets you to eight games. Eight wins. Like and we I like, said, so we predicted seven. So, that would say, you know, the the coin toss games of Youngstown State in two weeks or three weeks, uh, which would be an incredible game. Um the two states and then facing uh who am I blanking on now I guess that's it I think we almost pretty much would have guaranteed us three losses the rest of the year and those were those state games but um we'll see I think Youngstown clearly is has a is a great chance for us and they're really good we as we know and if we keep and that's like I said it's only two games away so if we smoke Missouri State like we're supposed to I would have so much confidence going into Youngstown because we play them tough all the time and a lot of fun games, and they've been killing our seasons the last two years. So we need to get our ultimate revenge. So, if we get past that, then I like our chances. But again, we're only two wins behind our total of last year. So, I'd say we're off to a great start so far. So that's the biggest thing. Um, obviously, through this bye week, as I mentioned, okay, that that is what we mentioned because yeah, we did have we had our SEMO recap on Monday, so that's when the pod was. So yeah, sorry, that's reiterating. Um, what Nick was saying, because we've been seeing Gary McGraw posting constantly about on the bye week going and recruiting. He's actually at a high school game tonight. Um, he's been at places all week, and we know all the other guys are as well. And the team's been practicing. So we saw Cam Battery have a video with Luke Martin. So still getting some content out, but the coaches are not about. Love to see it. Uh, and then, you know. I guess Well, in general, Luke Martin has been posting a lot of stats, tweets lately, and I wanted to go back and dive into all of the ones that he has had because a lot of them are interesting um, in a lot of different ways. Let's see here. Um, Going back to the – let's talk about a little bit from the SEMO game. He said, Saluki's won against SEMO this past Saturday despite losing the turnover margin. SIU had four turnovers – and only forced one SEMO turnover, which the which the one was big. Um, the last time has won a game when losing the turnover margin by at least three was November 9th, 2019 against Missouri State. So, again, yeah. Desmond's. you know, again, that was the biggest play we've seen in a long time and the biggest play of the season so far. Um, and we'll take it. Like I said. So much was on SEMO's side, you would have thought they smoked us, but we found a way. Some other things from that. a last-second touchdown against SEMO is the, is the norm now in the series with the Red Hawks. Luke says since 2015, five games have been decided in the final 30 seconds of the game. Obviously, this year, last year, with their final touchdown as well, we talked about the correlation. They scored with 11 seconds left. We scored with 11 seconds left this year. Crazy stuff. Obviously, Nico. Before we hit the, uh, we had the one game against Semo in October of 2020 in COVID, and then we didn't play again until the spring, as we know. But when Nico hit that game-winning field goal as time expired, 2018, uh, their quarterback at the time, Semo's Crump had had a touchdown with twenty five seconds left to beat us. And then their quarterback or uh, their their kicker McCrum had a field goal in twenty fifteen with five seconds left. So it's one of the best rivalries in the FCS clearly as we know. And that speaks for itself right there. Those kind of close games over the years and don't expect it to change anytime soon for years to come. Uh Luke had a stat here on PJ. He had six pass breakups over the last two weeks He had only seven pass breakups all of last season. He has posted back-to-back weeks with three pass breakups, which are the first two games in his career having three pass breakups in one game. So obviously we know the trajectory PJ is on right now to do great things. And if he stays healthy and does everything, keep doing everything great for us, obviously we're going to have great success throughout the rest of the year. And then he had a post on Nick Baker, who has 462 yards in the win over Seymour. He's 408 yards coming in the second half. Uh, only one other player in the country has stoned for more yards in FCS in a single game this year. That's Max Brosmer, New Hampshire's quarterback, had 493 at CMU recently. So obviously that's a great thing for Nick. Some other Valley football stats here um, in terms of completion percentage. Nick Baker is a, is 11th with 704 um, a lot of people are tied with one another. Cam Miller leads North Dakota State with 79.4. Hit. He's just hitting the easy easy throws, as we know. We know Nick kind of does as well, I guess, but uh, clearly good for Nick being on these stats to this point. And then the defense-wise, look at the Valley doing great things. And the country ranks. South Dakota State allowing only 10 points a game. That's second in the country. Illinois State, we know they've had a great defense, always has. 10.7, their third. South Dakota's eighth with 13.7. North Dakota State 16, and there we are, 22nd in the country, allowing 19.7. If you're allowing 20 or 20 or less, you're doing great things. And the fact that there's other, there's four other Valley teams ahead of us, and we've been talking nuts about how great our defense is. So we'll be in some dogfights, and we know there's only we only play two of those four teams or three, excuse me, three of those four teams this year. So we'll get to see some good defenses. Uh, We talked about how the the teams we missed out on. North Dakota, who's ranked right behind us in the standings. Illinois State, who dropped out recently, but their defense is great. So might have lucked out on some, but we play who we play. Um, Let's see. I think that's all of the, like, overall kind of factual kind of stats that Luke and the Valley had for us here. Um, All right. So, yeah, um, so now getting into like the full stats of everything, team wise, player wise, just because I'm sure everybody can look these up themselves, but just to reiterate, because I want to go through team stuff first, some notables. We are scoring 35.7 points a game, and that helps from scoring, you know, we scored what 26 this past week, we scored 49 the first week, and then 14 second week, so that averages out to that. We have 107 total points. Uh, 16 total touchdowns, 57 total first downs, 18 of them rushing, 35 passing, four first downs by penalty, th- or third down efficiency. And I guess it'll feed into some of already talking about the pros and the cons of this are... That has been the biggest con this season, offensively third down, and even on defense side, you know we'll get to that I guess in a second, but both sides on third down, getting off the field on defense and then extending drives on offense eight of thirty four that is a twenty three point five percent percentage uh completion rate, so or conversion rates that's clearly not good. We talked about how what they were i get they weren't that great against Austin p at times, I suppose, even though we dominated. Uh, I mentioned how we were, I don't even, I mean, we were what one of 11 against NIU and not so good against, I think two of something against, so we're like three of 22 the last two games. So I guess we must've been like five of 12 against Austin P. I'm not even sure. We had some, I don't even remember that game was so long ago. It seems like, but um, that's besides the slow starts. I mean, that's the thing though. It's, it's play calling and third down efficiency. That's the biggest thing. It's like, You know, don't be over-creative, add some creativity, but just, you know, it's play calling, it's execution by Nick Baker of making throws. That's the thing, he hasn't made the best throws or he's missed guys. That's really the simple things to touch up as an offense. Other than that, offensive line's been great. We talked about how Abdu Torre had our first false start of the season. Other than that, it's been holds or bad holding calls. In terms of not, you know, needing to be called, the refs should have picked them all up, but offensive line has been incredible, we have been able to run the ball, get to all the whatever stats, but uh, besides NIU, which again, they had a, they had a power five level defensive line, so we had five sacks in that game, but other than that, offensive line has been incredible, been able to protect, Nick just needs to be, he's not going to be exactly his second half SEMO self all the time, but He needs to show why he – and he he still is, which is insane. He's still one of the most – you know, he's got one of the highest completion percentages in the whole FCS. He's obviously up there in the all-time stats for SIU and all those categories and stuff. And it helps, like, the play calls that benefit him that we always do. But still, like, just do it all the time and you will beat everybody you play. That's the thing. So touch up on third downs. I mean, fourth down efficiency, seven of nine. So it shows that, you know, when we're not comfortable punting, which Nathan Toney has been average this year, um, and you want to go for it, you have pretty good success doing that. So we know the Austin P one where he faked like he didn't know what was going to the sidelines, and Romare caught it, or Justin did, and um, got a first out of that. He made the first guy miss. and almost didn't work. But it's like stuff like that. But um it shows that we could do it on fourth down. You just need to start doing it more on third down. So those are some of the most things, and that's that's really offensive. Let's see here. I thought I – here, some punt. We've punted 14 times for 586 yards. That is a net of 32.6. That is not good, Nathan Torney. Uh, penalties, we've had 25 penalties for 242 yards. That's about 80 average yards allowed. On our penalties in the season. Possession time seconds. 30 minutes all of this season. Through those games. We have not lost any fumbles. And our turnover ratio is at 7. Um, I guess it said no other like full defensive team stats. I'm looking on the ESPN app right now. But um, we know that side of the ball has been doing great things. I'll get to some more things here. Let's flip over to the player side. Nick Baker. He has a... 69 of 98 that is a 70 percent completion percentage pretty good uh, obviously he could be a, he could be up to 75 right now to be honest he's averaging eight yards a throw 68 was his longest thanks to vincent davis um six touchdowns two two interceptions he's been sacked seven times lost 27 yards on those total he's got 157.2 passer rating pretty good uh, again he's 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 so close to being what we need him to be at his peak. And so far now, thanks to the SEMO game and the SEMO second half, in terms of his chasing history watch and where he ranks on the all-time board, he is only now 406 yards and nine touchdowns away from breaking for the all three major stats for a quarterback. And SAU history, SAU history passing the fantastic and the great – Local offensive coordinator for Carterville High School, Joel Samberski, um, safe to say he'll get that. He'll get the yards within the next two games, no doubt about it. Um, he's not going to get 400 yards again. we wouldn't think, unless we destroy Missouri State. That'll be an interesting game we'll we'll get into next week, but um, definitely in the next two games he'll get the yardage and then the touchdowns he'll get at least in the next three or four. I mean, he's going to break it, so... That's all depending on success that remains for our team and him if he stays healthy if he if Nick This is the bottom line people if Nick Baker gets hurt we are screwed I love Hunter Simmons I wish they'd use him in some facets this year cuz we were even saying in moments when we were going for it on 3rd or 4th down short it seemed like I remember saying to Noah like this would be great to have a Javon Williams in the game and if you're not going to use a powerful back in Sean Lester and you're just going to rely on some things you're not going to sneak sneak it with a 59 quarterback so interesting how some things they could do they could use Hunter but we cannot do what we want to do this year if we have Hunter Simmons or Michael a quarterback it's just it's just the truth because those guys haven't got enough reps, you would think if they got into some games like Hunter Stone, he's four of seven this year. He played in the Austin Peay game and, went, and was pretty well. I'm not saying these guys aren't good, but just in terms of what the team needs and what we expect from them and, and what Nick Baker's rapport is with everybody, it's like, I just clearly Nick right now is better than those other guys and what we need right now. So, if Nick Baker gets hurt, we are screwed. So, we got to protect him at all costs and make sure I'm, he's got to play well. It's one thing to just come off the field if you're just not playing well, but injury would be like worst case scenario, obviously. So, he's so close to those records. He will get them here in the near future. Like I said, Hunter has thrown seven passes, he's the only one. Don't expect Lindau to throw this year unless it's ultimate blowouts or. To be change or injury, etc. So, rushing Romier again; he's been fantastic. I'll, we'll look at some point to see where he ranks in the all-time stats. We talked about it at the beginning of the year where he ranks. It's like the quietest, awesome career. He's got 164 yards, 33 carries. That's five per, pretty good. Uh, three touchdowns for a row. Justin Strong, we know, has missed the last what game and a half. He's second with 53 yards. Jalen Benefield has been used more in receiving. Pretty much. I'll get to that in a second. Then he has rushing. So rushing the ball overall hasn't been the best. Um, you know, Caleb Wagner even has that three yard touchdown run in Austin P, but um heck Tony Williams got in as we know and Austin P as well. Vincent's on here, so him and like Isaiah got a couple runs per se, and Deontay's got nothing on here, but really it's those top four, and we haven't seen any of Sean Lester really. So keep an eye out for a lot of those twenty twenty two class guys, but um, you know of course Sean hopefully he can get on the field but we love what Roe, Justin, Jalen are doing for us right now so we'll see So, besides Roe not a whole lot of rushing this season we have like I said Nick's got that rushing touchdown Justin's got one, Roe's got three and Caleb's got the other so overall need to be and I know Barry Petito and Prairie, Pe- uh, Prairie Pigskin had a an article because Nick, Nick did kind of talk about it and was asked about from those guys about the rushing game and how they do expect it to get better and maybe justin gets healthy and everything because nick said you know in the throughout the conference season you definitely need to be able to run the ball so that that is the case and we will so hopefully that gets better and i'm expecting it to be better um but a lot of guys have been able to get some touches this season which is a good good sign the great isaiah trip is leading us Yards this year, only over five, and him and Vincent have the same amount of receptions with 15 apiece. But Isaiah's gotten by those five yards 192 to 187. They're almost fully exact on everything. Isaiah's got three total touchdowns so far, but average Isaiah 12.8 yards a catch, Vincent 12.5. I'll get to the next guy that's got the amount that we've been saying ever since we've been seeing him, you know, catch the ball that he's been getting these crazy amounts. Um, but Isaiah and Vincent leading the way. Four total touchdowns between the two of them. Aiden Quinn, 9 for 144. 16 yards a catch. No touchdowns yet, but he has got that long of 40. He is just the ultimate weapon right now. We talked about he's only had like two catches in his career leading to the season. He's already got nine this year. He is the ultimate weapon. He's one of the best weapons on the team. If he was hurt, we would miss him enormously. He's a He's a clutch guy. So excited for what he'll bring for us the rest of the year. Jalen Benefield, 8 for 102, pretty good for him. We know that big play against Austin Pete on the sideline, that was a 54-yarder. 12.8 per catch for him, he does have that touchdown. Deontay, we mentioned how he kind of broke out heavily. At least half of his catches in the SEMO game, he's got 10 for 99 this year. That's almost 10 per 25. Whatever he does not have a touchdown. yet. And again, they they were asked about Deontay before these last couple of games. It's like no, he's fine. He will be fine. We expect him to be. We mentioned how he got hurt. Seems to be healthy, which is a good sign. So we're fine without Deontay. But if we continue to win, who cares who does what? We want our best players to be great. But if we're winning again, who really cares? You know what? At the end of the day, who's doing what? If we're winning, that's all that matters. So. Deontay's doing that. Rowe nine for seventy nine. He had a really big game in receiving against Simo. He's just the ultimate. He's just like I said. He he's perfect for us. He's an incredible player for us. Uh, uh, Dayton Mitchell three for thirty two receiving. We know that was at the what at the end of Austin P um in some facets. So doing well. Schwindemann only has we mentioned how he had the touchdown brought back in the Austin P game and then he didn't play in NIU and then he had the fourteen yard catch against uh SEMA before he fumbled. So Ryan will continue to be used in the red zone for sure. He's such a big guy. He's gonna score a lot. We mentioned how we predicted that at the beginning of the season and injuries and, and penalties and turnovers have been the main cause of him not being able to be his true impactful self, but we expect him to at some point. Really excited for what Ryan can bring us. Uh, Zach Gibson has one catch. Like I said, we kind of whiffed on him this year so far in terms of uh, X factors. Uh, He was my X factor, which is unfortunate. One for 12, and then Justin Strong, two for eight receiving. So overall, pretty good receiving numbers so far. Isaiah's leading the way. He's been incredible so far. Love to see it. Uh, Kicking, Jake and Thomas have been sharing. We know Jake's 8 for 8 on extra points. Thomas did have the one blocked uh, last week. Um, And they both have a field goal attempted, and they're both 0 for 1. We know Jake missed against Austin P on the high snap, and then Thomas Burks missed in NIU. So those guys clearly need to be better. We know we got guys waiting in the wings, but these guys are going to be the ones for us all year. Thomas has had the last two games, so. Man, you gotta you gotta kick your extra points. You gotta hit those clearly and you gotta make field goals. And if they're pretty far out, I understand, but you gotta hit the ones within forty yards to help this group. Don't make it any harder on the team than it are than it ever needs to be. So those guys gotta be a little better. And we mentioned 20 clearly, his thirty-three yard average has to be better. He's had some good he's had some good punts, but out of the fourteen or something I mentioned earlier, he's only had like four good ones. So Specialists just have to be better. That's bottom line. Or we we won't expect to be how good we want to be if those guys either blow games for us or just not be as good as they need to. So hopefully those guys touch it up um, defensively. Wise, look at PJ. He's got 15 more tackles than the next guy. Total 32 of them. 21 assisted, 11 by himself. PJ does not have any sacks lately. We don't know Noah predicted it was a definitely a bold prediction, but it was one that was attainable. PJ does not have any sacks. Um, I, he will, at some point, that feeds into all these. He's got six passes defended, um, and obviously that means pretty much means pass breakups. He's been doing a fantastic job, as we know, on his trajectory we've talked about. Colin bohannock has been a tackling machine, 17 total for him, 10 assisted. He's got a half sack. He's got 12 uh, sack yardage on those sacks. Clearly he's been a tackle for loss machine as well. Uh, they don't have that exactly on um, on the ESPN app for Tackles for Loss, but we know all these guys have them. Dune Smith, 16 total. He's got eight apiece on solo and assisted. He's got one sack himself. He's got one interception. We know that pick six. Um, we just love what we're seeing from a healthy Dune Smith this year. Barola, 14 total. Branson, 13 total. We know they both have a sack apiece. Um brola has got one pass breakup. Branson's got two. Uh, Ubed Steed's had good tackling. He has had 13 as well. Mark Davis, 11. Varga, 11. But Tim Varga's got three and a half sacks. He's on pace to have, obviously, like around 10 or 11. That'd That'd be incredible. He'd be one of the tops in the country. And we wouldn't put it past him. He's been absolutely phenomenal this year. That one he had when Delorean turned his back, Tim got him. He's just been – he's been everything we've honestly expected. We expected him and Devin Cowan to be great, and they have. Devin had an awesome first game, tailed off a little bit since, but expect both those guys to continue to be great. 34 yards on the sacks that Tim has had, so incredible. Cam boundary he's got a half sack. He, he, like I said, he had the video this past week. He's, he, you see him on the field. He's talking smack to the offensive line. He's just, again, yeah, we haven't heard his name a lot because that means he's doing his job as the nose tackle. So keep doing your thing, Cam. Eight total tackles, uh, 12 on that half sack yardage losses. Doing great things, Cam. Desmond. Been phenomenal, as we know, the last two weeks. Making huge, huge plays. He's got eight total tackles. He's got the interception. He's got the forced fumble. The forced fumble and the recovery. Just phenomenal. uh, Iverson Brown, we know, has been... Dealing with injury, played the first quarter of the game and was done. And Simo, he's got seven. Dante Cleveland, seven. You know, Dante has also got a sack. Devin Callen's got a sack, six total tackles. DJ Johnson, Ben Bogle was seven as well. Vinny Pierre getting in here. Dre Newman. Dewey Green's kind of off to a slower start. We know he's a good depth piece showing up. Lewis Woodward only has two tackles so far, but he does have they didn't credit him with a sack. ESPN has not, but he definitely did. But it doesn't have him he clearly did something. They don't even have him for a uh like I said, they don't have tackles for loss on here. I guess that's what they're counting it as. But he definitely got one. Like I said, I think in the NIU game when he got it, they credited the Jeffrey Wells on the So we know Lewis has a sack. He has to have a sack. Um so we have and then obviously other guys that filled in to get on the we know we've seen Devin Love only has one tackle. He's got one. Uh, f- we know he recovered the fumble against Austin P on the strip sack, and he's been around. We've seen Jameer Khan here have a pass breakup. It says Devin loved us too. Um, and then Chris Presto's also got one. So that, those were the – they ran in that re- regard. Peyton Reeves has, has a half sack. Don't want to forget about him and he, what he's done. We know Devin's got the one. 11 sacks on the season for the team. We got 91 yards off those sacks. Uh, 212 total tackles as a team, uh, do have the five interceptions we mentioned. I think that's the whole total we had all of last year. Um, 16 pass breakups as a team, 22 yards on those interceptions total on runbacks. Um, one touchdown, clearly dunes. And then we mentioned the, uh, two fumble recoveries and two, two fumble, two forced fumbles and two fumble recoveries. So again, the defense has been everything we could have asked for to this point. But mention, you know, they just need to keep doing their thing, you know, touch up some small things, but we trust them with every core of our bodies. And again, getting off the field on third down and allowing big plays is the only thing they got to touch up. And they definitely know that to this point. So, Get healthy. We mentioned how PJ had the hurt hand. He seems to be fine. The whole defense seems to be healthy right now, which is a great sign. Just because we mentioned how James Caesar isn't going to play for us this year. But you got Desmond, you got Mark Davis playing awesome. Jameer Khan's coming in games. Dre Newman's there if you need him. And then you got Drake Johnson, who's barely played. But he's there if we need him. So and then, you know, Iverson hurt. Everything other than that, Dante didn't play the first game. He's healthy. Everything's going pretty well to this point, so there's where we rank and everything with the stats. I said pros and cons of both. If third down for both sides of the ball to get better, and other than that, they're on. We're on great pace here. We're on great pace to do great things this year. So, if I were to pick offensive and defensive dogs of the year so far, we've kind of touched on some. You know, I think it's really three guys on defense, and you. I could make a Mount Rushmore and put. Oh, it's so hard because actually I was thinking of some guys and I wasn't even thinking of this guy initially. It, I mean, again, it's been so great. It's got to be PJ so far. He's been leading us in tackles and doing everything we need him to do in his past breakup fashion, everything I've said. But you could throw Tan Varga in there with his three-and-a-half sacks. You could throw Desmond Hearns coming up with clutch plays. You could throw in um, Dune Smith. who we th- Initially, I thought Dune Smith would be this answer for dog for dog of the year through three games so far you got to give it to pj but if you could make a little mount rushmore those are the four i would have on there and then if i would make a fifth i'd probably put barola he's made awesome plays so far and it's either him or bohanic it just shows you again how great these guys are dj johnson's barely getting thrown at and so he hasn't been like to that peak of great but or he has been great but like not to where it's talked about enough so all over the place, you could go with any of those guys. It's really hard to pick one. An Offensive dog of the year so far. I, I'm going with Aiden Quinn. You can go with Romier Elliott. You can go with Isaiah. You can go with Nick Baker. Those are the four Mount Rushmore on offense. I just think Aiden's been incredible. He led that final. After we forced the fumble with Desmond, Aiden had a catch to get us about 12 or so more yards. Um, you know, we mentioned all the big plays so far this year. He had that huge play against NIU that set us up for one of those first drives. And it's like he's been so clutch and great. I want to pick Aiden Quinn because that's if, again, I pick PJ because he has been so great. But, again, the Mount Rushmore for offense, I'm going to go with Aiden. And it's outside the box a little bit besides Nick. Who would I say? Nick, um, uh, Isaiah, Aiden, and – Romier. Those, are the, those are the best four we've had on offense so far. And those guys will keep clicking. I can give one themselves to the whole offensive line. It's just everything's been going great. And we know what the offense needs to do the rest of the year. So I'll go with P.J. Jules and Aiden Quinn on both sides. But, again, those top four, you can't go wrong with any. I'm sure Noah would have a different than me even, which is a good thing. So quickly here to kind of round this thing out. For on this bye week episode for you guys. I wish we were talking about a, another game, but we'll, we will next week talking about the Bears. But I was trying to come up with conference breakout candidates. This would have been cool to like buy a little bit more time if I had Noah here to kind of segue off of, but... I mean, we've said his name a lot, and I think this guy's going to turn up. If this guy turns up, we're going to be even better. And we saw last year it ends up for him becoming an All-American. I'm going to go with Branson Combs as my conference breakout candidate because he hasn't been himself. He's been fine, but he hasn't been himself. And this is because I'm trying to think in on the spot. I'm trying to go with a guy that's kind of like, I don't know, under the radar. I could see Devin Cowan having a big conference year for us. i trying to think on that side of the ball. Um you know, I could see Dewey Green getting going a little bit. Those guys are getting a lot of snaps. Peyton, Lewis, Dewey. When you see Tim and De- and Devin on the sidelines, but gosh, it's really tough to say. Um, I'm gonna go with. I mean, I feel like it's the obvious ones because again, if these guys can, if these guys break out and be who they need to be, all American wise then we'll be unbeatable, and that's Branson and Deontay. I expect those guys to fully take off in the conference season. Like I said, I wish Noah was here. He would maybe have some outside-the-box pick, but we've really talked about everybody. I could I could say Schwindemann being that red zone threat that he pretty much almost has been so far. He's had some bad breaks. Uh, you could Schwindemann for that, but I'm going to go with the two great players, and that's Branson and Deontay to be the breakout Valley players to get us on the right track in conference. And to just be who they need to be. So I'll go with those two. Bold predictions overall as the team so far. I mean, oh, that's really tough. Um, I mean, as a team, I would think that, you know, we have five uh, interceptions right now. What is that? Seven total turnovers. I'm going to say we, I mean, there we're only three games in, people. I'm trying to think of like something that this is like a kind of episode I would have like halfway through a season. We still have eight games left. I mean, it's incredible. So, oof. Um, I mean, again, we'll have another one of these. It's really hard to tell. We just need to see more consistency. Again, we'll be unbeatable. And we need to take care of business against Missouri State and then Youngstown State so When we'll fully know everything. But, again, we're on great pace so far. And just a bold prediction of keep turning the ball over, keep getting takeaways, because that provides you with momentum out, you know, skyrocket. Because we see the momentum even on road games. Bold prediction if we need to see more and more people at Saluki Stadium this year. It was good against Austin P. I expect it to be good at Missouri Stadium when we get more into like the homecoming games and stuff like that, and like the theme nights and such. I expect to see a lot of fans, but man, I mean, the momentum that carries us in these road games, how loud it was at Seam, well, if we can get that loud or more at home, this team will just win every home game they have. And we have some we. We have, let's see. I think South Dakota State homecoming is really the like the legit best home game we have the rest of the year because we know we are at South or at North Dakota State and at Youngstown. Those are the only ones. So we need to be great at home. Bold prediction that we have eight thousand every single game the rest of the way. Just kidding. But again, it's too early to say other breakouts. I just had it on here if Noah could feed off of it, but. We'll have that again down the road for the next three games, of like, because that'll be like a better indication of a halfway point. Like if we already have five, seven total turnovers the first three games, we're on pace for what is that, up to 25 to 30. So that won't remain, but if it does, I'll say we just keep getting takeaways. That'll be my current bold prediction. We just keep getting takeaways galore, keep making plays and earning these W's. And that fed into what I said earlier about the, you know, do we change anything about the schedule? About our picks and our record picks, we both predicted seven and four. I do expect us to win four more and more games. I'm going to predict. I'm going to. I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to say it, and I hate doing it because I am kind of a jinxer, and I don't want to do it. one would probably stop me from doing it, but I'm going to predict the nine and two season, everybody. Nine and two that gets us the top eight seed, and it's unfortunate because I do think we have a chance against South Dakota State at home. It's impossible to win at the Fargo Dome. I don't. I don't expect to win that game. I at this point right now where it stands, I expect to be Youngstown State with how we're playing. I really do, and that'll be so much fun to talk about and that'll be the game of the week in the f c s again and it it's just gonna if we win that game, I only expect to lose two the rest of the way. You can have these trap games, you can have these worrisome games, and we will have those, but I just really hope that we can. Sustain this kind of success. I'll, I'll predict only two losses are to North and South Dakota State in close games, and we finish with a nine and two record. I think Noah would end up having us eight and three. I don't think he he'll have a. I don't think he'll have us winning at Youngstown, and we'll see when it gets to that point what we predict. But um, I definitely think we can win that game, and we should for a nine and two season the rest of the way. Seven and four is way out the window for the expectations and what we've done this year. Like like we said, we could easily be one and two right now. That's how close the NIU and SEMO games were to not being in our favor, and imagine what the you know trajectory would be. But we would know we'd be still playing great and barely losing compared to not playing at our best, still playing good and barely winning. So it's interesting to see how that could, you know how different it could be if it was flipped in that regard. But. Um, it's just, we're doing great things, and it's, you know, being 3-0 hasn't happened in a while. Nick Hill said it's be- it's better than the alternative, which is a damn straight fact. So, um, like I said, 9-2 and two season. Uh, I'm going to predict Deontay and Branson for early uh, conference breakout candidates to get back to themselves, to Foy take off, and I think Aiden Quinn and uh pj Jules have been our dogs of the year so far on both sides like i said no would have a different i'll try to maybe get it out of him on the next one i'll try to keep these for him to give his own take on that and again he wasn't able to join us today but he will be back surely next win- next friday when we come to you guys for the missouri state bears preview they're a fresh new team new coach Good recruits that from good schools. They've been relatively competitive in their games. Like I said, they play tomorrow. See how they do, and we'll talk about them next week for our first game back at Saluki Stadium. Before we hit back on the road, it was an important bye week. We'll have more information from from this week leading into game week next week. So, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Just kind of you know reiterating a lot of things that are going on, and kind of just giving that first three game recap so far. Like I said, we'll try to do it. You know, after every three games this year, if we remember. But I hope you guys enjoyed this bi-week episode. Looking forward to talking to you guys next week when Noah and I come to you to preview the Missouri State Bears. So, for Nick Malone, until we talk to you guys next week, as always, Go dogs.